Welcome to Chronicles Abroad, presenting Global Grind with Aaron, a weekly podcast series where we discuss practical steps to get you started working abroad. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Nubia. And I'm Francis. And we have something special for you today. This is like no other. Francis and I have partnered up with Aaron Horrath. He is from episode seven, How to Be Visible in the Global Market. And after our interview, we felt a connection with Aaron that we felt could be so beneficial for our listeners that we invited him back to actually have his own segment called Global Grind. So we are excited to announce Global Grind with Aaron Horwath. Aaron, say hello to our listeners. Hello, and thank you for having me back. Of course. Now yes. you're part of the CA family. Whoop, whoop. Now you can't get rid of us. Nope. <laughs> That's right. Now we have a little brother in the mix. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to be here. Exactly. So the role that Aaron will play in Global Grind is one of a practical nature. He's going to bring to you how to have an international career and how to be visible again in the global market. So this is when you actually have some questions that can be answered. We're going to speak to some specialty experts and human resources in different fields and get some um, information out to you guys on really how to make your presence abroad and make that Money. Yeah, so it's not all about just talking. At the end of every episode, we're going to give you a call to action to really help you get organized so that you can make that dream come true. Exactly. So we're going to start with how to form that foundation. So Aaron, you want to walk through kind of how these episodes will go in the segments and let's get started. Let's get rolling. Yeah, so there were a few different ways that we could have approached it, but what we decided on was that we wanted to give kind of a walkthrough of the entire process of moving your career abroad. So we're going to be starting with some basic questions that you should be asking yourself about, um, or being at, you should be asking yourself um, at the very beginning of your search. Those are like our forming a foundation part parts of the global grind, and then moving into things like international job search and networking, using content to get abroad talking to an HR specialist, things that are really, really practical, like you said, um, in nature. And then at the end of each episode, I'll be giving you kind of, in order to put all this information into action, a, a bit of a call to action segment where I'll give you a, some specific tasks to do in between episodes so that you can kind of make sure that you're moving through the process proactively and not just taking in information, but being too scared to actually start your job search. Yeah, yeah. like a realistic approach to everything, right? Yeah. And if you have yeah. specific questions, you can send them to globalgrind at chroniclesabroad.com. Uh, that you would like us to cover, and we will get that information out there to you guys. For sure. So we're stupid excited about starting this, and it's going to take for our listeners to be very proactive in this as well, because it's your questions that will feed our episodes. So moving forward, let's get into how to form that foundation, Erin. Like, what do you think um, are potential reasons why people are interested in working abroad? Yeah, so I think that it's really important as you start off, just like any big decision you make in life, you want to start to limit some of the options because if you start your global search with the entire world 
open to you, um, that's a bit overwhelming. That's, you know, overload of options. And so you want to start to narrow down exactly what places would fit your goals for living abroad. And first part of that is figuring out why it is that you want to move abroad and then find places that fit that, that goal. So whether you're going to be moving abroad as a career change or you want a change of pace or you want to escape kind of the hectic Western style of life where you're working a lot, you don't have as much time for hobbies or um, passion projects or something like that. Or if you're just in the midlife crisis, you've hit 30 and you've spent 10 years in your career and you're ready to change things up and you're, you want to make a big, a big move in life. Um, those are all very valid options, but it's really important to be honest with yourself about why it is you, you want to move abroad. And then also make sure that you're not falling for what we call the Instagramification, which is kind of like, seeing people on Instagram that are moving abroad and using that as your motivation just because they seem like they're always eating amazing food and, you know, do riding elephants and sitting playing in waterfalls and those kinds of things. Yeah. Blue waters. Wait, wait, why are they sitting on the beach in heels? Let me stop. I'm always messing with people. But wait, it's funny. I just want to laugh at you, though. Why you got to be? OK, so Francis is funny. He said if you come across if you're in your 30s and you come across a midlife crisis. Is that when midlife crisis begins now? Is it? Your- Damn, yo, we <laughs> old. We old. <laughs> I think it is. I think that a lot of people are feeling it early and earlier that they they want to they get it, they get what they think is their dream job right out of college or they get a corporate job right out of college and they think okay I've made it but then after a couple of years they kind of feel like maybe it wasn't the dream that they thought it was and they're looking mm-hmm. for something something else. So I can understand that. Yeah. So whatever your motivation is, you have to find it for yourself. That's why all these questions are just questions that you should ask, but it's important that you understand why it is you want to move abroad because it's going to differ or it's going to change which locations or which cities you're interested in moving to. That's true. It is important to understand the motivation behind why you want to go. I think for a lot of us, we want a more holistic approach to stuff. So we just want to kind of have that work-life balance. And it's very difficult to have that when you're in the middle of the rat race, right? The hustle and bustle of everything. But also not every place will be the best for you. So doing the best area research. I knew for myself, I needed to be somewhere where the weather was good. I didn't want to deal with any more winters. So I did a list of all of those things. You get what I'm saying? So I think that's very important in your search of where to be in the world. Or you could be like me and just pull the trigger, which, yeah. So there's various ways to do it. And how many times have you moved? (laughs) Well, that's a long history. I I move around a lot. So, but uh, yeah, so just uh, take your time and experiment and be open to whatever may come your way. That's right. So like you said, you've moved around a lot and uh, I did the same thing. I pulled the trigger right away and got really lucky with Vietnam, but not everyone is so lucky. And so the second thing is, if you can, trying to find some opportunity to go test out living abroad in some way. One of the things that you we've talked about before is the fact that living somewhere and backpacking or traveling somewhere is very, very different. It's a very different experience. And so whether you find an opportunity to take a leave of absence from your work, take a remote position at your job where you can have some time to work somewhere else or your location, your location indifferent. If you can kind of combine sick days and vacation time to get a big block of time where you could go and stay somewhere for a week or two weeks or three weeks, any way that you can find to go to a, a location that you think you're interested in and actually live there with the mindset of, could I live here permanently and not just be in vacation mode? Um, I think that's really important for making sure that your move abroad is successful. Yeah, and yeah, I think uh, and 
you also can go on their website and check out the blog post, The Secret to Not Quitting Your Job. So it goes into a little bit detail about the options, such as taking a sabbatical. And we've talked to some folks who took the time, maybe 30 days, to just live a different location, test it out. So you do have those options for you, whether it is you take a sabbatical or uh, a mental health leave, depending on what your situation is. Yeah. Yeah, and I started remote side hustles, right? Which I've been talking to a lot of people who are setting up their location independent lifestyles while still being in the States. They have jobs in the States and I'm teaching them and getting them through the process of becoming a teacher online. A lot of people start that way because it is a great way to earn money. We've talked to lawyers turned teachers, you know what I'm saying? And different kinds of um, career paths that took them to another part of the world. So with that said, you can start your location independence in the States. You don't have to quit and then try, maybe become a freelancer and open up a, what is that, Upwork account or a freelance Kickstarter account while you are in your job currently and get yourself set up so that when you leave, you feel more comfortable. And it's possible that it doesn't work out great. You may get there because it's a place you think would be awesome and it's great for vacation, but you find that you don't really enjoy living there. And that's great because it's a lot easier to then come back and know that's a place that you don't want to live rather than if you had just moved there thinking it was going to be perfect. And now you're stuck in a, in a city that you don't really like, or that you find out that you, maybe you can't afford or whatever the situation is. So much better to test the water before than get stuck somewhere and then feel like you have to move and scramble to find a new location. So if you can have, if you can find an opportunity to test the waters, I would highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, and let's and also mention that there are some companies that actually have policies in place that you can request an extended amount of leave. So that way you don't have to feel like you have to tell your boss you're sick for like a week or two and you're overseas somewhere. Look into what the policies are in your current company because you may find that there is a formal policy that you may be able to request leave for an extended amount of time, which is what we call a sabbatical, and do that. I've met people along this journey that have been on a sabbatical for a year. We just interviewed a young woman who's been on a sabbatical for two years. And those are usually positions um, that you do have some kind of stature in, right? They're not positions that you've been at this job for six months and now you're asking them for six months off. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you have some tenure somewhere with your job and you're saying, hey, I just need this time, and you're important to that company, nine times out of 10, you can most likely negotiate that time. So there are so many ways to go about it. Skip the fluff and shallow advice. Global Grind provides you with actionable steps so you can start grinding towards your dream of working abroad. Aaron, can you give a little bit on uh, ways to increase your chances of having a company to agree to a leave of absence? Yeah, so I actually did it the last time that I got a promotion. I took a leave of absence, but reverse. Uh, I came home to visit my family before I came back to start my new position. And so the one, one great thing is if you can give them lots of time ahead to plan, they'll, your company will very much appreciate that. So if you, rather than asking, can I take a leave, a three week leave of absence starting next week, rather, instead of saying that, saying I'm going to be leaving in two months, that gives them a lot more time to plan and you're going to have a lot better chance of them kind of accepting it. So that would be one. And then also picking like a convenient time of year for your business. So if you know that you have a high season and a low season, um, it's much better to pick that low season for you to, to, to take your leave of absence rather than when everyone's working 100% and trying to get things done and then you disappear. 
probably not the best look for your to, for both you and your coworkers also who have to pick up your slack. Third, schedule a time to discuss with your manager or whoever it is. Don't it shouldn't be a very casual like water cooler moment. You should come with a really solid planned out. I'm going to be gone for this much time. This is where I'm going to be. This is how available I will be. This is how you can reach me. All of those things that that will be very much appreciated. And then the other thing that I did obviously was I had just gotten promoted, so I kind of bundled it with um, them saying that I had done a good job. So I said thank you so much for the the race. I'm glad you think I'm doing a good good job. Can I also um, take this leave of absence before I come back and I hit the ground running uh, and have lots more responsibility and things? Good info. Yeah. And for those that That's have careers in a lot of stressful situations, I mean, you know, you really do have to look at the mental health aspect of things. Are you worn out? Are you exhausted? Are, are you having health issues? Like I have met a lot of people that now suffer from different forms of stress and anxiety due to work. There are EPAs and a lot of companies and business. And those are the, uh, Francis, what is it? Employee it's EAP, so it's Employee Assistance EAP. Program, which most companies, if you have more than 15 employers, employees, have it. And that's for you to have access to counseling and, and mental health services. So definitely tap into that and see what your options are. And if you have been working with a therapist or need to work with one, I've had, I know people who's been able to take a mental health leave of absence because of, you know, extenuating situations and circumstances. So it's available to you to do that. Yeah. I would say one other thing is if you're an older professional who's worked corporate for a long time, it may sound crazy that you would be able to take a leave of absence. But the thing to remember is that especially, you know, tech companies and companies that are really putting an emphasis on work-life balance have, like you said, policies like limitless vacation or unlimited vacation or mandatory vacation that you need to take. And so, like you said, make sure to check your policies because a lot of companies are really trying to put an emphasis on work-life balance and they want employees to feel that they can take time off and then come back refreshed. So it's not as crazy as it may seem to someone who's been in their profession for a long time. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is asking, right? So if you don't ask, the answer is always no. That's true. Yeah. So also with that, like, Really figure out, are you sure you know what you want to do while you're abroad? Let's talk about this a little bit, guys. So you go into the, yeah, I want to live abroad. I just don't know what I want to do. Aaron, can you give us a little bit on how to bring that in? Reel that in a little bit so that you can make those decisions before you land. Yeah, so I think the first thing is to make sure that when you start your early research that you're not limiting kind of the opposite of what I said for location. When you start your search, you don't want to limit yourself like specifically to your position or to your industry. So once you get abroad, you realize how many options and career paths there are and how, how like you, you would never be able to think of all the options that are actually exist out there. And so I would really encourage people to look outside of their industry or their profession for opportunities, whether that's remote work, volunteering, NGOs, contract work, um, English teaching, something in your profession, something that's tangentially related to your profession, but is a little bit not exactly in your industry. Keep a wide umbrella because 
you may think that you want to work in your industry abroad until you find this really cool NGO that you're really passionate about and you think is awesome. And then you want to work for the NGO, even though it means lower salary or whatever, but you're really passionate about it. So don't get stuck in only looking at options that you're really familiar with. Keep as wide a net as possible when you're looking at options abroad. And just to, to piggyback on that really quickly, when you said lower salary, don't get caught up in the salary because living in Thailand, no, you're not going to make you know, six figures a year, but you don't need to make six figures a year. You understand what I mean? Because the cost of living and the quality of life is so much better and the cost of living is so, so much lower. So, you know what I mean? Don't go looking for that paycheck the way that you would have the paycheck in the States because the paycheck in the States is going to match how much the cost of living is in the States. Yeah. Yeah. So be open to that flexible salary. And also keep in mind that you can always jump like I did. So I came to Vietnam as an English teacher and then ended up in technology. And so if you want to come somewhere, get a feel for it, do some networking, you can always do something like teach English or freelance for a bit, meet some people, make some connections and then figure out where you want to take it. If you want to stay what you're doing or you want to jump back into your industry in your in your new location, those are you always have that option as well. Yeah, and I think people always forget that they do have some translatable skills. So if you are great at organization or communication, a lot of those skills, like you said, don't need to be pigeonholed into your industry so you can take that elsewhere. And if there is a job that you want to do, just be realistic about it and bridge that skill gap. Free courses, Coursera.org, all that good stuff. Uh, you could learn almost anything online. So there really is no excuse. Or you can create it. I know people who have created Udemy. Is that how you pronounce it? Udemy. 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 See, Francis is my translator. I can barely understand how to say certain words. It's okay. They create courses. I'm unpaid, and stuff. By the way. If you're good at something, unpaid. Yeah. <laughs> um, People can, you can create a career a lot of times abroad. A lot of the people that we interview for Chronicles Abroad have done just that. Am I right or wrong? They go to a place and they create something because they see the need where they are. So, you know, whether that means doing distribution, whether that means doing makeup or doing, you know, uh, consulting, business consulting, uh, marketing, social media management, whatever the case may be. It's endless. I mean, I've seen people do just stuff. And he was like, oh, I never thought of that. Well, you know, it's, it's really dope. There's one of that? our one of the folks that we interviewed. Uh, she actually created an e-commerce store and she lives in Mexico and she saw all the organic produce mm -hmm. and products and she created an e-commerce store and now she ships to the U.S. So you can get real savvy. Yeah. yeah. And, and in here in Thailand, they do a lot of people are getting into like the cryptocurrencies and stuff. So they started doing like crypto meetings every week and they have like masterminds every week and they have like cafe talks where you actually meet with other people who are living abroad in digital nomads and you kind of create stuff. It's a, it's literally like a creation table. They sit around and they just talk ideas and they create stuff. I mean, it, it is it's limitless. I think also stepping out of your city or your friend group and being kind of on your own a little bit frees you up because you're not so self-conscious maybe as you would be if you were back home. So I may not have started the blog, my blog, if I had been at home just because I would be seeing my friends who maybe are reading it. And I don't know if I would be as confident putting content out there or my own ideas out there in my, in, in my like home group. But once you're out, on your own, it's kind of like a, it's a, there's a bit of freedom to feeling like, okay, 
I'm not going to run into anyone at the store that I know. So I might as well just do the thing that I think is a good idea or passionate about. I think it, it's a bit, it allows you to try things and fail without so much worry about how it will look to your, your friends group or something like that. Yeah. And I have one more thing too with that, because I feel like we're talking just about like corporate and we're not. There are a ton of people that I have met that actually work in a creative nature, right? Like arts and performance, performance arts. There are people that I've met when we met Stephanie, the girl behind the Chronicles of Broad Jingle. I met her in Bali. Every single country she goes to, she finds open mics. She talks to owners of businesses and she sings because that's what she enjoys to do is singing another one of our guests binky he's on episode six he came to chiang mai he runs an open mic every single friday night he also performs every uh, week at a local jazz club he also does music lessons i met this other young lady who is like a, a dancer and she brings african and hip-hop style dancing to Asia. So she has a whole literally like she just goes into the dance schools and she says, hey, I'm a dancer, shows them what they got and said, I would like to put a class together. And this is what they love to do. You get what I mean? And it's something different for over here. So it's if she gets a, I mean, you should see it. It's, it's amazing. This young little short black girl, she's doing her thing and she has nothing but Asian people behind her getting their hip hop on. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of fitness. There's so many other things that you can do. We're not just talking about behind the computer and being a digital nomad. If you have skills and things that you enjoy doing and you're passionate about, you can nine times out of 10 turn that passion into profit. And that's a great example of moving somewhere else to be a big fish in a small pond. Like that may not be like her teaching African dance may not be a unique skill where she's from, but you take that to Thailand or you take that to Japan and suddenly you're the only person who can teach it. And it's a really unique skill that nobody else has. And all of a sudden that skill is much more valuable than it was at home. And so that's another way of how, um, you know, moving kind of changes the equation a little bit. Exactly. So last but not least, let's talk about considering the less glamorous aspects of living abroad. <laughs> let's yes. be honest, you know what I mean? And we're going to always give you the real because what you see on social media is beautiful, but not everybody goes into the BS, right? That's right. Let's give them the real guys. Let's talk this through real quick. So the first one for me, I think, to prepare for if you're going to move abroad and you're planning on staying abroad for even a, a, a decent, decently long time is that you may feel that you lose a bit of home when you're gone. So you move abroad and if you move to Asia, it's a long flight. It's not very convenient to go home. So you end up staying for a while before your first visit. And then when you come back, friends are a little bit different. People have moved. There's your neighborhood looks a little different. There's new stores and it doesn't have the same feel necessarily as when you left. And so that's not a negative and it's not a reason not to move abroad, but people, if you're interested in taking your life international, you should be prepared that you may have a feeling of losing home a little bit when on your first visit back. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the journey. I mean, my cousin turned 40 the other day, so I missed that milestone, you know, so it's all part of the journey and you do have to work through that however way you work through that. And know that, like we had talked before, that you do lose part of your old self and you kind of redefine yourself in certain ways that, I mean, I believe in my opinion will uh, benefit you wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I mean, Francis and I have discussed this before. When you move abroad, 
you do lose the friendships. A lot of people that you felt like you rocked way back in the day or before you even left, they're no longer there, out of sight, out of mind. It's the same thing whether you move to another state or whether you move to another country. So just be prepared for the mental aspect of those things. A lot of things do change when you do move abroad. Doesn't mean it has to, but it can. I am uh, now 11 hours ahead of the state. So I don't have those same conversations that I had before with my friends because I only have this much of a window to have conversation because when they're up, I'm asleep. (laughs) You know what I mean? And when I'm up, they're just waking up or they're getting ready for bed. So I tried to, I tried for the first, I would say three months. It was off. My father was calling me. It was four o'clock in the morning, my time, because (laughs) it was 4 PM his time. And I'm like, dad, everything okay. He's like, Oh my bad, my bad. You know, it's going to take a while for people to get used to it. You do miss out on those communications. Yeah. And very similar to that is missing important life events. So I missed my best friend's wedding. You're going to miss birthdays. You're going to, you're going to, you know, if if you're in far enough away, you just simply can't come home for every event um, that takes place. And so you are going to have to sacrifice or very, be very picky, picky and choosy on when you come home. And that will mean missing some important things that are happening back, back with your friends and family. Yeah, for sure. And also there's uh, what we would call live an alternative lifestyle, right? Because, it's not gonna be the same as it is in the States. You might have some similarities. The funny thing about it is when I moved to Thailand, people thought I was gonna be living in the bush, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> in the forest, and, building a tent. Right, building build a tent with my little outhouse and all of that nonsense. And no, it's not like that. Just because in the States, they consider certain places a third world world country, which there are third world amenities in a lot of places, doesn't mean that every place is like that. So when you do your research, understand that there will be some modernization in a lot of places that you go to. Thailand is very modern. We do have gated communities. We do have beautiful houses and those kind of things. It is is relatively stupid and expensive. But understand that you're going to still have certain things that you did not have in the States. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I also want to mention, I have a friend of mine who, who he knows he's just not a Thailand kind of guy. So he knows places like Japan or Singapore, things, subways. He's a subway kind of guy. He's just not the Bali living so you just got to understand and know that which kind of person you are. Yeah, you got you to be realistic about the shit, because, I mean, the less glamorous aspect of living in Thailand is you don't flush your toilet paper. You put it in a bag or in the toilet. I mean, seriously, let's, let's put it out there. Hotels. Yes, you can flush your toilet paper. But the septic systems in Thailand are not like the states. So when you wipe your ass, you put it in the trash barrel. You get I mean, no, let's let's be real. That takes a while for people to get used to. Yeah. I mean, it's the less glamorous aspect, but when you immerse yourself in a culture, you understand it. When you're traveling throughout, you might not find a toilet. You might find a hole in the um, ground. Squatty potties, they're called. (laughs) Whatever. And you stand on top, you stand over it and you take and you do your business. But those are in more rural areas. Right. But they do. But they are there. So you got to know what suits you and what floats your boat. We don't have transportation of any sort in Chiang Mai, but you go to Bangkok and you have a wonderful subway system. You know what I mean? You have so many different avenues to get around. So you just really got to do your research. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I would say is 
be prepared also to adjust how you define being successful. So for me, I'm 26. Most of my friends back home are getting married. They're buying their first house. Maybe not buying right now, but looking towards buying their first house. They have their first car. They have, you know, all of those kind of superficial but kind of important American success, I don't know, monikers or, or yeah, ways of the ways that you, you feel that you're becoming. I, and I don't have a car, obviously. I have a $200 motorbike and I have an apartment or whatever, but I, I'm not, I, it's a, just a totally different, I'm not going to have a car, nor do I hope to ever have a car, but you have to get over those things being the signifiers for success because it's just totally different living elsewhere. Yeah, that is good. I mean, I know people that still kind of have that mentality in a way. And like you said um, earlier about being a bigger fish in a smaller pond, you're able to get more in some places than you were. You know, if you say to yourself in your house right now, and I can only talk about Chiang Mai in particular or Thailand in particular, because Francis is in Japan and Japan is a whole nother, you know, spectrum of cost of living. Right. It's right. very expensive to, to live in Japan. So the housing in Japan might be a lot smaller for a lot more money, which is similar to New York City. But you come to Thailand and or Vietnam because Vietnam is very inexpensive. You can get a three or four bedroom house for the cost of for less than the cost of a studio apartment in New York City. Way less. Way less. Yes. Yes. Exactly. A zillion dollars less. Yeah. Exactly. To yourself, you might be like, I made it because I got a four bedroom house. You know what I'm saying? And I'm paying five hundred and fifty dollars a month. Sometimes it's about the comparisons. I mean, Francis and I just had an interview with a woman who had properties in Hawaii. Right, Francis? And what did she say? She was like, when she crunched it, th- when she crunched those numbers and she seen how much she was paying in Hawaii. Versus- cheaper for her to. Do a sabbatical, a two-year sabbatical. A two-year sabbatical. <laughs> then to own a home in Hawaii, she sold her home in Hawaii because she said, for what? And she sold her home and took a two-year sabbatical, didn't have to work, and went to Nice, Italy. That's Sometimes. the midlife crisis. And it was, in, I mean, it's a great episode. We don't want to give it too much away, but yeah, it's a pretty incredible story. I'm just putting it out there to say you yeah. guys are so worried about buying a house somewhere and then you're in debt. You know what I mean? Forever. Like sometimes your money goes a lot farther if you leave. But I also met people that bought homes and used it as passive income. So yeah. there's so many ways to use the things that you currently have to work for your benefit later on. Agreed. Saudika? <laughs> and finally, avoiding house hunter syndrome. So, Which me and Nubia fell into, but go ahead, explain that. <laughs> if you've ever seen an episode of House Hunters, or especially House Hunters International, you will know that every couple gets a spare bedroom so that they have room for, quote, when our friends come visit. Do not expect your friends to come visit. They nope. will not, or they probably won't, or they won't very often, and they can do Airbnb. But don't... Or your couch. Expect- if it's no, free accommodations. Just, yeah. My, my, my recommendation is to go in that with the mindset that you're doing it on your own. Maybe your friends will come visit, but you're very far away. It's very inconvenient. People are very busy. And so don't get the spare bedroom in your mind, metaphorically or literally. Don't get the spare bedroom. Just accept that people probably are going to stay. What do we do? Yeah. We got that spare bedroom. I'm like, I'm like, my sister's coming and my cousin's coming. How long have I been abroad? A little over a year. 
<laughs> but see, me personally, I'm like, but we can use this spare bedroom for an office, you know? We can do our episodes. We could do this. A spare bedroom, okay, I could say this. If the spare bedroom isn't costing you more, get the goddamn spare bedroom. Just don't, <laughs> just don't focus on, oh, there's not enough space because... I need space when so-and-so comes visit because it doesn't, it, it doesn't equate. They may come visit you once in a year. If you're paying, if that, if that, and if you're paying additional just for the potential of having a visitor, it's That's not, not worth it. it. But that wasn't our situation. A two bedroom wasn't much less than a three bedroom. So it just made sense to just get more space. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not coming. <laughs> no. no, nine times out of ten, we no. get more visitors said, that we meet along the but way. They're not coming. <laughs> I've literally had more visitors from mutual friends than I've had my actual friends coming to visit. I don't think I've actually had one visitor, and I've wow. been in Thailand for almost a year. However, when my phone blows up, Nubia, I have a friend that's in town. Can you show them around, Nubia? You know. Those are the people that actually come to my home. Those are the people I actually have in my space. These are people that are already traveling. I didn't know from a hole in the wall, but because of the fact that I have mutual friends who feel like they want their friends to be around good energy. But so you know, you know, is, you're this thing on? is this thing on? Because I just want to say, you know, so it, for friends out there, friends, friends, are y'all there? <laughs> I, so I, still live in Thailand. I still live in Thailand. <laughs> you, know, so dramatic, you know you're lonely when you're taking time off work so that your brother, sister's mechanics, ex-girlfriend is coming into town and you want to see them. That's when you know you're lonely. I'm sorry, I have to take off work. My brother's friend's ex's boyfriend's mechanic is in town. Who I haven't seen in five years, but they're yeah, in town. Exactly. We're going right. to go hang out. Yeah. Who I don't know at all. All right, so it is time to start grinding. Let's grinding. Grinding. We're grinding. Okay. I so for the for the start grinding segment, here's what I want our listeners to do. Write down three locations. Sorry, write down three different cities, locations you think you might be interested in living in. Read at least one blog post or watch watch one vlog of someone who's currently or was recently living in that city. Even better, read one positive or one negative uh, post or watch one positive negative vlog. And then three, after each post or vlog, reflect on the following. Can you honestly see yourself living in those locations long term? So mm-hmm. this is just to get you imagining yourself realistically living in the city and getting you some positive and negative reviews on the locations that you're interested in. Yeah. So let's just recap that really quickly. Write down three and I repeat three different cities and locations that you think you might be interested in living and why. Right. Because, you know, you really got to look at why are you choosing these cities? Is it because you went there on vacation and you just thought like, oh, this is beautiful. I can see myself living here. Or is it really because you did some research and you know more about the economical, you know, aspect of the place, the political aspect of the place, all of those things. Really think about it. Don't just do it because you've been to, you know, I went there on vacation and it was so pretty and I just want to go live there. Living and vacationing, two different things. Okay. Read at least one blog post or vlog, which you can go on YouTube and type in being black in Thailand or living abroad here or this keywords. You know what I'm saying? Just type in what it is that you want to do. You want to head over to Mexico. You want to head over to Panama City. You want to head over to, you know, wherever in the world. Type it into 
YouTube. Just type in the location, living in that location, living as a solo female in that, because that's a whole nother monster, right? You want to actually be very specific. If you're traveling as a female by yourself, type those keywords in, single female traveling or living in Vietnam. And not just Vietnam or certain, wherever it is, because I get people all the time that's like, yeah, you know, what's the best hotels to go stay at when I get to Thailand? Thailand is a whole country. Where in Thailand are you going? You can't just talk about the country as a whole. You got to start being more specific and narrow down and zero in to what makes sense. If you're a beach bum, you might want to be wherever the beaches are closest to those places. If you're a mountainous person, those places. If you don't like rain, stay away from these places, whatever the case may be. Start really honing in and thinking, not so broadly, but a little bit more narrow. After each post, reflect on whether or not you can honestly see yourself in those locations long term. This one's going to be tough because you really don't know until you get there. And my story is a little different. Where you are right now, Erin, is where I researched. I researched Da Nang, Vietnam. That was where I was going. I told everybody, I'm moving to Da Nang, you know, but once I got to Chiang Mai, I fell in love. I honestly seen myself living here. When I got to Da Nang, I just didn't have that feeling. No matter how much resource resources I looked into, no matter how much research I did when I got there, it just wasn't for me. You get what I mean? So sometimes your plans will change. And I just want to say, despite all the research, please take it all with a grain of salt. Because mm-hmm. you can get as much information as you want. And once you step down, things will still be different. <laughs> exactly. So just be flexible. Be okay. flexible. The, the expectation game. I fell into it. Some of y'all know me personally. When I went to Bali, I had this expectation of eat, pray, love. Went there and was like, get me the f- out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not, not every place is for everyone. No matter how much you think it's beautiful, how much you think you'll be able to, whatever, just really think about, honestly, if you can see yourself living there long term, but know that if you can't, once you land down, then you, you know it's okay and that you can go somewhere else. Our mission is simple, to see you win. We make sure you have every single resource you need to cut through the clutter and make things happen. All right. So that's our start grinding. We want you guys to do those three things. If you have any questions, if you have any ideas for next segments or anything, please hit us up at globalgrind@chroniclesabroad.com. Make sure you check us in on iTunes. Make sure it. Oh, also with the iTunes. Can you please make sure that if you're listening on iTunes to rate, right, to Download is it right? I don't have. I have. I have a Samsung. Just, yeah. Let me do it. Just subscribe, rate, and review. We, it means a lot to us, and also helps us to make sure that we bring valuable content to you uh, as much as possible. So check us out this episode, the Global Grind, every Tuesday. Thank you guys for having me. Staring at us. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were doing a great job. I was listening. No, nope. thank you for having me, and uh, we'll be back for episode two. Yes. Awesome. All right. Take care, guys. Now that you got a taste of the Global Grind series, we're here every Tuesday to give you practical advice so you can begin your international career. And of course, don't miss our regular Chronicles Abroad episodes every Wednesday to listen to real people living that international life. Make sure you also follow us on Twitter at Chronicle Abroad and Instagram at Chronicles underscore abroad and send all of your questions to us either on Twitter or through our email, globalgrind at chroniclesabroad.com. Until then, stop daydreaming and start grinding.
Music by Almighty K-Rock.